Hey there, and welcome to the podcast of Real Life Spokane. We are so happy you are joining us today. We exist to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. And you can help us do that by liking, sharing, or subscribing to this podcast. Let's jump in. Amen. It is good to see you. 11 o'clock. Everybody doing okay in the room today? Yes. Excited. Most of us. I love it. I am excited. I am really excited for this sermon. It's one that um, I believe God just, man, he got you here for a reason today. And I don't know exactly what he's going to say to you, but I believe he is going to speak. And Grayson just prayed it a moment ago. Would you just come today with a soft heart? Not not proud and, and what you think you need from God, but God, what do you want to speak to me today, man. I believe that he loves to meet that honest, that sincere heart, that, that humble heart. And I believe he's going to do it today. We've been in a conversation for the last several weeks about Jesus' way. Relationships are broken right now that you and I are in. They're fragmented. There's divisive stuff going on constantly around us. And the tendency as, as tension rises in relationship is to kind of Jump up, you know, bow up, flex, and, and try to figure out a way to fix it, make it better, manage it more. And the world has all kinds of ideas and agendas about how relationships should go. But Jesus has a way that we as Jesus people are committed to. His way of relationship is a way of love. He said that we, he, the world would know that we are his disciples by our love for one another. And in a world where love is hard to come by, I believe Jesus is calling us and drawing us to a place of, of his way, his model, his leadership. I love that God sent his son to earth to walk among us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. He came full of grace and truth. Jesus comes as this picture for us to not just hear a command from God, hey, you should love people more but to actually see what love looks like in the life and the ministry of Jesus. We have a model for us to, to mimic and to move our lives more and more into line with. I want to give you an example because today's conversation comes really straight from Jesus' heart, from Jesus' teaching, from Jesus' words himself. In Matthew chapter 5, we'll go to Luke 23 in a minute. If you've got a Bible or a Bible app, you're going to uh, get that ready. Maybe you got notes on the way in. I hope you, you are ready for this today. Luke 23 is where we'll be in a minute. But let me just read you Matthew chapter 5. Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you a different way, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Jesus says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. If you and I are people who are committed to only love those who love us, we are not walking Jesus' way. There is difficulties in all kinds of brokenness in relationship, and in the midst of those difficulties, Jesus' people look different than the world, sound different, love different, act different than everyone else. And, and there's a call here from Jesus himself, hey, if you're only going to love those that love you, 
you're going to be just like everybody else. My people are different. Jesus' way is different. Even loving those who hate us, who oppose us, who accuse us, who ridicule us, who might say anything negative about you. Jesus' way is a way of patience and understanding towards people. If you're taking notes today, that's what we're talking about is patience and understanding. You've heard it said before, don't pray for patience, right? Anybody? Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. All right. Um, well, I heard it said that before, and uh, it, uh, it, it is kind of this like idea, oh, if you pray for patience, God's going to give you like a really stressful thing that you're going to have to learn patience in. Uh, for me, you know, I think this conversation is maybe a little simpler than that, um, that you and I are constantly, um, I don't know, maybe I'll just use myself as an example. I like to drive. Anybody else like to drive in here? And the thing about driving is I also like to win as well. And uh, winning and driving, you don't make for a great patient equation. They, they, they create a lot of stress, tension. I mean, just ask my wife. There is constant conversations in our car uh, as we're driving together. In fact, it's almost getting to the point. If you see me riding shotgun, you know we've hit that point, all right? Like, she just can't take anymore. Uh, we were on the way home last night uh, from a family party because my oldest, Faith, just turned 17 today. Can we give it up for Faith? Uh, we were on, on the way home from a family party last night, and I was driving, and I was winning, and um, it was intense in the car, and I love it because my wife was like, hey, what are you preaching on tomorrow? Oh, patience and understanding. <laughs> She's like, you're preaching or somebody else is preaching? You know, like this is a conversation that I need to have, we need to have together. This is a conversation that Jesus invites us to, but it's not one that we would just like walk into and be like, hey, you know what? I need to really work on being more patient. I need to be more understanding toward other people. People are mean and they're jerks and they say this kind of stuff. You know, I should really learn to just be more understanding of those people. That is not how normally we think in, in these conversations, but Jesus' way is different. I want to show you Luke 23 because this is a powerful picture, not, not a teaching, but a picture of Jesus' patience, his understanding, his grace. In Luke chapter 23, we see Jesus being crucified. When you think of crucifixion, it might be tempting to just kind of think in terms of maybe an Easter celebration or just a, I don't know. I mean, this is like bad stuff, everybody. This is Jesus literally being nailed to a, a, a wooden pole being set in the ground, his shoulders dislocating, suffocating to death, and pushing himself up on the nails in his feet to try to gasp for his next breath of life. This is torture. This is not like a, a, a likely moment that you would find any of us patient or understanding. You would find us pretty demanding, overwhelmed, frustrated, angry. Somebody needs to be held responsible, especially because Jesus was wrongly accused. He didn't deserve death. He did nothing to deserve death. The Jews convinced the Romans that Jesus had, was blaspheming, claiming to be God when he wasn't. He was claiming to be God, and he is God. And so they wrongly accuse him of blasphemy and get him to, to bring him to this place of torture. And here we find him in verse 32, right in the throes of this. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with Jesus to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. This is what Jesus says. Father, he prays, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. 
They divided up his clothes by casting lots, and the people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is really the, the Christ of God, the chosen one. Even the soldiers came up, and they mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save us. Save yourself. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? He said, since you are under the same sins, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him. I tell you the truth. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Think of this. This is Jesus being mocked and ridiculed insulted, tortured to death. And he's, he's got just a few breaths. And one of them is a prayer to forgive these people that are killing him, that are mocking him. Another is a prayer to save the criminal to his side. You're going to be with me in paradise. These breaths are so precious. These are breaths that maybe we would use for a lot of other words and a lot of other things. And yet you see Jesus as our model here. When I look at this picture, I, I just get so humbled and I go, God, what would you call us to? First Peter chapter two summarizes this moment. Verse 23, Peter writes, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. Think of how many insults you've, you've bur been burdened with lately. When he suffered, he made no threats. How easy it is in our suffering to want others to suffer with us and drag them into our suffering in a mean way. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness by his wounds, by Jesus' wounds, you have been healed. See, the story of Jesus is a story of patience and understanding for sinners like you and me. Jesus was willing to walk sinless and perfect through this life, not so he could boast about his perfection, but so he could offer his body as a sacrifice for all of our sins. He, he, his perfection can now become your perfection. You and I can't be right with God unless we are perfect. We can't obtain perfection. Every single one of us falls short of that standard. And so that's why God sent his son, Jesus, the savior of the world. That's why it's so important that everyone in this city, everyone in this room, everyone online understands that, that God sent his son in his love for you and I. It is his love that brought him here. It is love that brings patience for every single one of us to say, hey, I want to save you. I want to heal you. I, I want to take your, your sin on myself. It'll be my wounds that heal your soul. See, it's the patience of God that, that brought him to this place of sacrifice. You and I are here today because of patience and understanding from God, who has every reason to judge us, to condemn us, to hate us, to kick us to the curb. Every time that we've walked away, every time we've ridiculed him, every time we've insulted him, he, he chooses patience and understanding over it. See, the good news of Jesus is just this humbling thing, isn't it? It's so hard to come into a conversation about patience arrogant. Oh, I got that one, right? It's hard to be like, oh, I'm totally nailing that. 
It is so, so good for us to just take a deep breath and go, wow, God. Your patience, your kindness, your understanding toward us. See, Jesus' way always changes people. Jesus' way is so much different than the world's way. People are affected by it. There was a, a, a gentleman named Stephen in the book of Acts. See, after Jesus died here in this crucifixion moment, went in the grave for three days, resurrected three days later, came back to life and appeared to all these people for the next 45. He ascended into heaven, and then his church was birthed there in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. And, and, and if, if you read Luke, the same author, he, he begins to kind of detail this account of Jesus' church getting started through normal, ordinary people like you and me. And, and the church came to a crisis moment where persecution was about to break out against Jesus' church. The rulers were trying to figure out a way how to stop what had just started because thousands of people were coming to know Jesus. And, and, and the church leaders ran into a crisis. They needed some help. There was all kinds of people getting served, um, like food and meals, and, and they needed some more help. And so one of these men stepped up named Stephen, full of the spirit, full of wisdom. That's what the Bible says about him. And God began to use him as he served tables. He literally served food and gave him more and more opportunity to share the good news of Jesus. Then he's brought in front of the entire like Jewish leadership, and he begins to tell them the good news about Jesus Christ, and they hate him for it. In Acts chapter 7, they drug Stephen out of the city. This is Acts 7, verse 58. They drug Stephen out of the city, and they began to stone him. We got to shut this guy up. This is, the, this is the moment that persecution broke out against Jesus' church. They begin to, stoning means like take gigantic stones and throw them on the person. You crush them. Meanwhile, the witnesses were laying their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. We'll come back to Saul in a second. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and he cried out. This prayer sounds so familiar. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Jesus had just prayed, right? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Here's Stephen praying. Lord, they're, they're killing me for my faith in you. Don't hold this sin against them. This patience, this understanding was infectious in the early church. People were starting to take notice. In fact, Saul, who's standing there giving approval to Stephen's death, later in, in Acts chapter 9, came to faith in Jesus Christ, was radically changed, called the ministry, now began to declare the good news about Jesus. He used to drag Christians from their homes and have them executed, and now he, he is called and being used by God to share the good news of Jesus Christ. If you look at 1 Timothy 1, Paul writes, reflecting on this very infectious thing called patience and understanding. Verse 15, he says to Timothy, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. I almost imagine Saul, who's now called Paul, remembering all the coats laying at his feet, all the rocks are being thrown on Stephen. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. He says, Christ, for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, listen, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience. There it is. 
The way Jesus displayed his patience towards me is now an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. See, the patience, the understanding of our God is this infectious thing that has always changed human hearts. In, in a time in our life, in our culture, in our country, when it's so tempting to want to rise up and, and, and kind of match the intensity of everybody's craziness right now, Jesus' way is so much different, and Jesus' people walk differently than the rest of the world. Jesus' way is an invitation to patience and understanding, and it's an invitation to say, okay, God, I, I want to I love the way you loved. I want to be patient the way you've been patient with me, the worst of sinners. I think of, I love that statement because and every one of us has an excuse in our mind of like why God wouldn't love us, wouldn't receive us. Yet God is over and over just demonstrating his love that while we were still sinners, while we were so far off, while we were the worst of the worst, God's love was drawing us. Some of you are here today because God has been drawing you to himself, and you've been so far off, but God got you here today, and it's his patience that's been leading you. It's his kindness that's been drawing you back to this place of repentance, and I believe that this is what, what Jesus' people are to be like. Patience, this understanding that he calls us to. So in all humility, we, we sit here today. Okay, Richie, you told me not to pray for patience. Maybe I should start praying for patience. What does this look like? How do we like grow in patience and understanding? What, where do we go from here? I'll just go to the very root of this conversation because I think I could give you like five tips on how to keep your mouth shut when people are being mean to you or whatever, right? Like, but, but we need a heart change. Like, at the very core of who we are, something's got to shift for us to grow in patience and understanding towards people, to not retaliate when people say negative things about us, to not harbor bitterness in our heart when people are super mean to us. Something deep inside of us has to shift. There's a war inside of every single one of us. I'll just, I'll just tell it to you really simply. You are born with this sinful nature the Bible calls the flesh. It is a drive inside you to do what you want, when you want to, how you want to, with whoever you want to, you are in charge. That's called the flesh. But the moment you, you repent of this self-led life, receive Jesus as your savior, recognize that I can't save myself, I need a savior. He's like, great, I want to be your savior, but you got to surrender your self-led life to me. That's repentance, turning from self-led to Jesus-led life. This is why baptism is so important because it's a picture of that surrender. When we surrender to Jesus, we are now given his spirit inside of us. The Holy Spirit comes inside of us and begins to prompt us to Jesus' way. Jesus said that the Spirit will lead you into all truth. But you got to listen. We got to listen to the Spirit. We are very used to listening to the flesh. Amen? We have been feeding the flesh for decades. The flesh is what I want, when I want it, how I want it, right? And the more we feed it, the bigger it gets. For some of us, it's autopilot is the flesh. And so we have this battle inside of us. Those of us who put our faith in Jesus, we have this battle what is the Spirit's prompting in this moment? I want to retaliate. I want to be mean back. I want to post something, right? Like there's this like fleshly desire, but the Spirit's prompting going, hey, I want to show you Jesus' way. Will you lead? Well, let me lead you into all truth. 
Let me show you patience. Let me show you understanding. So this is the baseline of this conversation. This is the root that I want us to talk about today. How do we grow in patience and understanding? You and I have to start the way Jesus did. We lay down our rights. That's number one today. How do you get more patient? Lay down your rights. Your rights, your agenda, your timeline, your demands, your desires have governed your life and your decisions and your priorities for so long. And for you and I to recognize this, that my rights and my demands and my agendas have gotten me what I got. If I got broken relationships, if I got pain, I've got unforgiveness, I got bitterness, I've got all these things following me around. When you sow in the flesh, you reap the fruit of the flesh, which is discord and, and sinfulness and all kinds of brokenness in your life. But when you and I learn to sow in the, in the spirit, then we get to reap the fruit of the spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Paul says against the, these things, there is no law. There's nothing that can stop love. Peace, patience, right? Kindness, goodness. These are all, but you got to sow in the spirit for this to be reality. And so we lay down our rights. This fly, flies in the face of current pressure that many of us are facing. Everybody says, no, you got to stand up for your rights. You, you got to demand what you need, what you want. You got to be heard. You got to have your voice above all the other voices. And it's just getting louder and, and more crazy all the time because we're trying to get over everybody else. And I love Philippians 2. He says, hey, Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, feeding the flesh, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or held onto, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Paul says Jesus is our model. And not only should our life emulate his life, but our attitude should emulate his attitude. His attitude was not demand my rights, but get up, give up my rights, lay down my rights. I'm God. I could demand whatever I wanted to demand, but he chose instead to come as a servant and chose to make himself obedient to his father in heaven, obedient even to the point of death, death on a cross. Think of this. Jesus hanging there in Luke chapter 23 saying, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. When, he, when he's saying, hey, you're going to be with me in paradise today, he is walking in obedience to his father's leadership in his life. He could have made all kinds of demands. I'm God. I didn't do anything wrong. I don't deserve to hang here. But he knew that God had something greater in mind. And so Jesus is intentionally laying down his rights. He says to his disciples in Matthew chapter 20, he calls them together and he says, hey, you know the rulers of the Gentiles how they lord it over those that follow them. And you know how their high officials exercise authority over them? Not so with you. That's not how my people roll. That's not how we go, right? He says, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be just, uh, sorry, must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Listen to this phrase, just as the son of man, he's speaking of himself, did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Lay down your rights. 
Impatience, lack of understanding for people comes when I think I deserve things to go my way. When I'm feeding the flesh, I'm in the flesh. I'm making demands from the flesh. My timeline, my agenda, my priorities, my desires are the most. I, I go back to driving, right? It's like when I'm driving and I'm winning and I think this is it, right? Like my timeline on I-90 is the most important timeline. How is that going to go? I speed limits. Other drivers, what if every driver drove the way that I drive, right? Like, like turmoil would just like be everywhere because everybody's got to have their thing and their first and they need to get, their meeting is more important than every other meeting that, it, like you have no idea. I, I, sometimes God just so good. He's like, I'm at a stoplight. There's somebody there and I'm like, what is their story? What are they doing? Where are they driving right now? What is going on in their world? What is happening? Thinking of some of our friends that are sick or have little ones that are sick right now and just slows life down. And you go, wait a second, what, what am I really like trying to figure out? My agenda, my priorities. God, would you help me to lay down my rights? Number two is this once you lay down your rights, the other thing that's just as essential is to pick up Jesus' mission. You know, this is not just a journey of like, stop being an idiot, right? This is a journey of actually becoming somebody different that we actually pick up Jesus' mission. You have a family, you have a spouse, you have kids, you have, um, you have coworkers, you have school friends. You have a context right now, right where you live, for Jesus' mission to be lived out. Jesus put you there on purpose right now. This is why we're called real life, because you live in real life. You don't live in some fake religious life. You are in the middle of real life, and that's where Jesus loves to work through his people, is in those places with those people. That is the place that God has given you for his mission to move forward. What happens when you and I are demanding our rights, doing our own thing, the mission stops in your circle? Wherever you are, the mission is just done. It's shut off. It's completely closed, right? And when you and I are living for the flesh in all those places, we are breaking relationship, breaking opportunity for the mission of Jesus. So lay down your rights and pick up the mission. Go, God, how am I going to be used by you in these places? For me, it's so simple what this looks like. Like when you and I just recognize God wants to use me in this spot, I, oh, my perspective totally changes. We were last weekend, got an amazing opportunity to take care of three young ones. Uh, some of our friends here on staff just had their fourth baby. Can we give a shout out to James and Mia? Congratulations. And um, so we had their, their three older kids. And um, my girls are 17 and almost 14. And like, we are not used to three-year-olds and five-year-olds. And, and they're amazing kids. Don't get me wrong. They, they are absolutely amazing. But like, like these girls, they, they pretty much take care of themselves now. And like, you know, three-year-olds don't do that, right? You know, like it just is a different level. And we were at basketball uh, for, for Ruby's team. And it was like two hours in a big giant gym with all kinds of noise and like three-year-olds and five-year-olds, right? They just don't do anything for two hours. You know that, right? And, and I remember just like, we, I'm holding one here and another one by the hand and I am sweating. Like I, I am not working out. I am just sweating because I got kids and we're like, I'm, I, you know, and we're walking out of this place and like pretty soon I'm like dragging almost like we got to get out of here. Let's go get some snacks for 
me, right? Like in the, we got to get to the car, like, let's go. And, and we were walking out and there's all these bricks on the ground where people have donated a bunch of money probably to make this, this facility happen. And there's names dedicated, you know, sponsored by blah, blah, blah. I didn't read a single one of them, but one, I like almost stepped on it as I'm like running out of this facility to get to the car so we could get out of there. And, and, and I'm not kidding you. The one I look at and I could see out of all these thousands of bricks says to serve and not be served. I'm like, Jesus, Thank you, Jesus, right? Like, this is so good. We, this is the mission. Like, like, those little moments, that's the mission. This is what, what, how simple this is. For patience and understanding to grow in us, it's laying down my rights in those moments, in my demands in those moments. It's this simple moment where God says, all right, I want to use you right now. Are you going to be used by me? Or are you going to be about your own thing, feeding the flesh, doing your stuff right now? Are you going to allow my spirit to prompt you and lead you to love the way I want you to love? Jesus said to his disciples in Luke chapter 9, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life from me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their, forfeit their own soul, their very self? What good is it? God, would you give us this heart of patience, understanding, to recognize that we got to deny the flesh and feed the spirit. I was training our staff a couple weeks ago, just going, you know, sometimes, guys, we got to actually do difficult things on purpose because our flesh is always like what we want. The spirit is like, hey, you should fast food. This is a biblical practice, fasting. Deny yourself food for the day so you could tune your heart more to the spirit. It's a very not popular practice, right? Because we are constantly just feeding ourselves. Serving around here, serving period, is such an opportunity to deny the self and, and feed the spirit instead of the flesh. We, we as a church, we love creating opportunities to serve. Why is serving so important? Because you're not in charge, right? Like when you and I submit ourselves to the elders of our church, when we say, hey, I'm going to come under authority and not have my agenda be the most important agenda of the day, how can I help where can I serve? And I, and I show up early. Instead of showing up when I feel like showing up, I have to show up on somebody else's timeline. This is what happens when you serve. This is doing something difficult on purpose to train yourself to a place of patience and understanding. Here's what I love about serving is you can serve with a horrible attitude or you can serve with a generous heart and attitude, right? That you have an opportunity not to just show up and go through the motions, but you can actually have a heart that's engaged and soft and ready to be used by God. Like, this is what's so powerful about these practices. Fasting, serving, so important for us to recognize Jesus' way doesn't just happen on accident in your life. You have to do these things on purpose to become more like Jesus. And as Jesus' people, this is our invitation. You go, okay, God, I don't want to serve myself. I want to put to death this flesh that has been ruling my heart, my life, and I want to bring more of your spirit's presence, voice into my life. I want to understand, discern your leadership more and more in my life. Paul says in Galatians 5, so I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. Remember, I said it's a battle inside you. 
They are in conflict with each other. Listen, so that you are not to do whatever you want. Isn't that most of our lives? It's a journey to be able to do whatever we want. Paul's like, no, you don't want to just feed the flesh. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh. All of its passions, its desires. See, Jesus' people are different. We walk a different way. We walk Jesus' way. And as a church together, this is my hope, is that as things in our culture are so intense and fights are so real and division is so crazy, we wouldn't be ones that are like freaking out and trying to kind of fix things and yell louder and post more and be more opinionated, but that we would be the ones that deny our sinful desires, lay down our rights, begin to serve, begin to sacrifice, begin to go Jesus' way with our lives. That we begin to discern the Spirit's prompting in those little tiny moments in the context that God has put us. When we're parenting, when we're being married, when we're getting groceries, when you're in the middle of all those ordinary moments that that Jesus' way would just come through who you are because you've been, you've been feeding the Spirit of God inside you, discerning His prompting. You could hear, oh, I need to go talk to that person. Oh, I need to. <laughs> I was talking to a friend, his little daughter. We're praying for Fallon. If you haven't been praying, she just collapsed at school on Monday, big brain bleed, and like half her body is not working right now. And her dad was here at service last service. He's in the elevator. And his shoe got stuck in the elevator, ripped the whole sole of his shoe off. And he had pudding in his hands because he was like on a pudding delivery mission, like a good dad would be, right? And the pudding just like exploded all over the place. And his sole of his shoe is three floors down somewhere, right? Stuck in the elevator. And nurse comes and finds him as he's trying to collect himself and clean up the mess. And She's like, oh, what room is your is your daughter in? I'll get you some more pudding, you know, so we can. And he's like, oh, the pudding wasn't for me. We already have enough pudding. It was for the kids, the two doors down. They saw that she had pudding. I wanted to get them some pudding too. I'm just like, how amazing is it that, I mean, they should be in absolute turmoil. And here he is just serving. Noticing the needs of other kids around in the ICU. Just serving real life. It's how the Spirit of God prompts us in these little moments just to lay our desires aside just to love people right where they are. Today is about becoming Jesus' people and walking Jesus' way. Patience, understanding. I want to pray for you today. I'll say this. I know that some of you need to begin a relationship with Jesus today, my hope is that that would be your prayer. It's not something I could do for you. It's something between you and God where you got to surrender your heart to him. Surrender your rights and your demands. Say, Jesus, I need a savior. I can't make myself right. I need you. This is what baptism is. It's a picture of that surrender. We'd even love to baptize you today. Talk to you about baptism. Our team will meet you in the back here in a moment and we stand to sing.
Would you stand with me today? Let me just pray over you as, as we respond to what God's doing in our hearts. Lord, you, you see every heart here today. God, you know every, every experience we've had, every moment of ridicule or pain that we've experienced, every time we've wanted to demand our own ways, our own rights, our own desires, God. And yet your patience has been so good. Your love and your faithfulness, God, has been so good. Jesus, we just are humbled today humbled by the example of Jesus, humbled by the example of Stephen and Scripture, God, we're just blown away. God, we just repent of our self-led lives. We come to you in humility, desiring God to be changed by you, that you transform us, that you make us new, that you'd fill us with your spirit, you give us ears to hear your prompting, your leading eyes to see where you're at work, God, a heart that's soft to receive your leadership in our lives, that's submitted, God, a heart that's serving and fasting and sacrificing and saying, God, I want to become your, your people. I want to go your way, Jesus. We are your church. You have called us by name, God. Would you empower every soul here, God, to be radically changed, Lord. Those that are confessing, Repenting right now, Jesus, save every soul. Right now, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. We just confess, God, that we need you. We need a Savior. We love you. In your name, amen. Thanks again for tuning in to the Real Life Spokane podcast. We want to encourage you and help point you closer to Jesus. So be sure to visit our website or to reach out on that phone number. We love you, real life. See you next time.